Good morning, church family. So glad that you're here. Welcome to Forest Lake. If you're joining us online, a special welcome to you. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, we wouldn't be the same without you, so thanks for joining us this morning. And if this is your very first time here at church, I'm very glad that you're here. I've seen several families that are new. In fact, there's a whole row over here that drives from Jacksonville to come to worship at Forest Lake Church. That's awesome. That's commitment. I was telling them, I said, there's people that live two minutes from here that are too lazy to get out of bed and they watch online, but you guys drive two hours, so <laughs> no judgment. It's fine. Glad you're here too. We were in the middle of a sermon series, the second week in this series called Describing the Indescribable, as we uh, journey into some just different attributes of who God is. And, I, and my prayer is that we see God in a clearer picture at the end of our series. And uh, last week, we spent our time talking about the core lens through which you have to view everything about God, and that's the lens of love. God is love. We continue that today. Next Sabbath, Pastor Candy is going to preach and, and lead us in that as we do this series together. But today, we focus on a different attribute. In fact, the very first words in the love chapter are these words here. They're on the screen for you. They say this, love is patient. And today, we spend our time thinking about the patience of God. So pray with me as we begin. Heavenly Father, this morning... God, we're looking to see you, to see who you are and what you're truly like. So show us what you look like. Help us know. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. I've always heard that patience is a virtue. And if that's the case, then I'm the least virtuous person in this room. I was born impatient. I mean, every part of my life, it's impatient. God, I feel like if I just sit, I'm wasting my life away. I have to be doing something all the time. You know what patience feels like, or having patience feels like, or the lack of patience feels like. Patience is waiting on Amazon Prime two-day shipping when you can get it next day. Am I right? Used to be a week long. Now you can't even wait two days. I'm with you. Patience is this. It's letting your son or your daughter find out how to say the word as they're learning how to read without you jumping ahead and telling them what it sounds like, right? Or, or helping your kid figure out your, the math problems. No one's resonating with this because you know as well as I do that math these days, parents, we don't know anything anymore. I can't do fourth grade math with my kid. I don't even know how it works anymore. Patience. Patience is this. You will all will resonate with this one. Patience is waiting for the reset your password email to finally arrive so you can reset your password. You've been there before? A hundred times, I know. Uh, how about this one? Patience is waiting for the light to turn green. Man, that's frustrating. Patience is counting down the days till your birthday or Christmas or vacation, some of you. This one, patience is waiting for your car to cool down after you've parked it outside in the sun in the summer. Oh, patience is, is so difficult. A few years ago, our, our minivan, our Honda Odyssey, it was having a little trouble and I was doing some work on it. In fact, the timing belt had broken. I'd replaced the timing belt and it had run fine for about a year but it was time to do some, some real engine work. And so I got down into it. Here's a picture of how far I got down in there. Uh, right down to the pistons and the cylinders. I had to take the heads off and take them to the machine shop so they'd resurface them, so put it back together, and it would run well. It's still running today. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. 
So uh, as I'm working on this, I had to get the rear head off of the motor, and there's some parts that connect to that head, like the exhaust, the manifold connects right to the back of it. Benji, you know this stuff, you work on motors all the time. And those, ex those exhaust bolts and nuts that hold the, the exhaust onto the head are the worst bolts on the entire car to get off of. It's just filled with heat and water and rust. It's just miserable, they, they're so stuck. And so I put some penetrating oil on it. I used sockets, I used wrenches, I used pry bars, I used cheater bars. I mean, I used it all and it was not happening. Those bolts were not coming off. I was about to lose my salvation, <laughs> but my son Caffrey was there with me sitting on the step in the garage. And, and I said, Caffrey, I've learned something over the years of working on cars. When you get frustrated, before you get really impatient, you need to take some deep breaths. Close your eyes for a moment and relax. I tried everything. I reached over the top of the engine to work on it. I went through the wheel well to get to the back of the engine. I lied, laid down on my back and pulled from the, the bottom. It wasn't happening. So Caffrey and I, we spent some time together in prayer. We said, Lord, this is frustrating. We're impatient here. We've got to get this job done. Can you help us do it? And within a few moments, we got it loose. Having patience is such a challenge, whether you're naturally patient or you're not. It's just hard. And I hope that as we look at the patience of God, that you will really see what an incredible being he is as we describe the indescribable through the lens of patience. Proverbs puts it this way, Proverbs 14, 29. Here it is on the screen for you. It says, whoever is patient has great understanding. Whoever is patient has great understanding. And I believe that if you can understand patience, then you can understand God because patience describes the indescribable. In the Hebrew language, the word for patience is this word arek. And it is most often used uh, and translated as the word long-suffering. We don't use that word anymore. Nobody says, oh, you're so long-suffering, Pastor Matt. Nobody says that. Uh, another way to say it is slow to anger. In the New Testament, it gets twisted just a little bit. The definition changes, and it's this. Uh, it's taking a long time to boil. Now, I can't help but see the visual in this uh, because I, I, I'm a visual guy, so I see things. And every once in a while, even though I'm a vegetarian, I like to have some eggs. I'm a lacto-ovo vegetarian for you vegans that are freaking out right now. Just calm down. <laughs> once in a while, I like an egg. I like mine fried, especially when they're cozied up next to a pancake and some of that syrup on the pancake slides across the plate and gets up. Okay, see? Let's eat afterwards. Let's go have some food. I like those fried eggs. I like scrambled eggs. Those are good too. Now, my family is incredibly impatient. And so instead of, you know, getting the pan out and putting some butter or some oil in there, whatever, this is what we do. I got one right here. Brought it right here for you. Look at this bad boy. Anybody know what this is? Oh, man. I should, oh, we got one. Thank you. I'm so glad you know, Leslie. Um, I should get paid by Pampered Chef. Ching. <laughs> this is a scrambled egg maker, or I don't even know what the title of it is, but it's amazing. Crack a couple eggs in there, put the top on, pop it in the microwave. A minute and a half later, you have perfect, fluffy, scrambled eggs. Very little mess, just like that. This could be an infomercial, couldn't it? It's amazing. Now, if you wanted to have not scrambled eggs, but you wanted hard-boiled eggs, now you've got issues. You get the pan out, 
You go over to your pot filler, you put the water in there, you put it on the stove, you crank up the stove, and you wait. And, wait. and you wait. <laughs> and you wait some more, and you look in there thinking that you might go faster. Some of you throw salt in there to make it go faster. I don't even know if that works, but we do it to make it feel better. You look in there and you start to see bubbles on the bottom. You're still waiting. You continue to wait until finally that water reaches 212 degrees and it starts to boil. And the patience of God is described in the Bible as slow, slow to boil. I think another way to describe the indescribable is not just slow, but having a long fuse. It takes God forever to explode. It takes forever for him to boil over because he's patient, because he's slow. Now, let's not be naive and think that God doesn't have a boiling point. Uh, you know the story of Moses. He goes up to get the Ten Commandments, and while he's up there, the children of Israel are down below, and they make this golden calf, and they forget all about God, and they start worshiping this calf. Moses comes down, and God has some emotions as well. In fact, here's what he says in Exodus, I think it's chapter 32. God says this to Moses. He says, I've seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them, that I may destroy them. It's almost like God says to Moses, the fuse is lit. You better be glad it's a long one. God does have a boiling point. There is a time when judgment must be served, although I don't ever think it's out of anger. I think it's out of love. But all throughout the Bible, you hear of the continuous patience of God, his long suffering, his slowness, his slow to boil. Uh, in the story of Hosea, God is the husband that marries the prostitute wife that no matter how much he loves her, no matter how many times he has to go back to get her from her adulterous affair, uh, he's continually doing it. He'll always do it no matter what. God's the patient God in the story of Jonah, where God doesn't wipe the city of Nineveh off the map. He patiently waits for the prophet to get through all of his drama, to get the message to the people, and he allows them to, to change before he ever would destroy them. He wants to give them a chance. He's slow to boil. God's the patient God that leads two and a half million people through uh, the desert on their way to the promised land as they angrily and impatiently say, give us food and water, and he continually walks with them because he's so patient. All throughout the Bible, God is the patient God. Yet there's one place that I think it's even brighter than any other, and it's in 2 Peter chapter 3. And if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to open it to 2 Peter chapter 3. If you didn't bring your Bible, that's okay. There's a blue book in front of you, and you can follow along on page 861. You'll read the same words that I'm reading, 2 Peter chapter 3. This is uh, Peter, you know, the guy that cast the nets on the other side. This is same Peter that walked on water with Jesus. It's the same Peter whose house uh, Jesus was in, and they cut the roof open, and they, they lowered a paralytic down so Jesus could heal him. This is, this is Peter, the same guy that Jesus asked him, do you really love me, Peter? Now, Peter writes, and he, he sends these letters, and it's, it's, a, it's a circular, so it'll go to one town or one church, and it'll move on to another, and it moves around, and it serves different contexts in different places, but there's the same message throughout. And, and Peter writes to Christians for all eternity. That's you and me. He's writing to us, and I would even say that his words today mean so much more than they did back then. Because Peter writes to a group of people that are struggling because they're being attacked by atheists, those that don't believe in God, they don't know him, and they're saying words like, well, where is your Jesus? 
He left you. Is he coming back? Where is he? Does he care about you? Has he forgotten about you? And so Paul writes to them, but he writes to us too. Here's what he says. 2 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 3. Here's what my Bible says. Peter says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, I would say that today, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. He says, where is he? He promised you he's not coming. Fast forward to verse 8. Peter continues, he says this, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. I love it when Bible writers do that. They say, here, I'm, I'm talking to you, but don't forget this thing right here. Listen up. This will be on the test. Remember, if you're going to remember anything else, he says, remember this. He says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years for us is like a day for him. Then he says in verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Isn't that beautiful? I love how Peter puts it. He says, don't forget this one thing, that for God, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years for us is like a day to him. It's not his idea. He steals it, just like a lot of Bible writers steal stuff. And he gets it from the Psalms. Here it is. Psalm chapter, what is it? Let's see. Put it on the screen here. 90. David says, For you, God, a thousand years are as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours. And I like the visual that David says. It's like a night's sleep. See, God is eternal. He's got no beginning. He has no end. He doesn't have a watch where he exists on deadlines and times. With him, there's no past, there's no future. It's all in a continual present. It's now. He doesn't live in our, our concept of time. He lives above it. He doesn't age. He doesn't get old. He doesn't have birthdays. Time's meaningless to him. And as our time ticks by, it is a disconnect between us and God. It, it's different. He, he understands it differently than we do because we are timed people. We have a beginning and we have an end. And David says... To God, a thousand years are but a, a few night hours. Now, some of you are sleepers. You love to sleep. Some of you are terrible sleepers. You, you have insomnia. You wake up all the time. Uh, just talking to Vince uh, this morning, he said, Matt, I woke up at 4.30 this morning. I couldn't go back to sleep. And I said, oh, man, I'm sorry, bud. Some of you, you're like me. Your head hits the pillow, and you are out like a light. Uh, amen, somebody said. Daniel Prieto, was that you? I don't know. Yeah. Well, if you're a good sleeper, then when you wake up, you think, wow, what has happened? Hours have passed by, but it was just a moment. The psalmist says, with God, it's like a thousand years. Or, with God, our thousand years is like his day. It's a single day. And all too often, we are the ones that are not the patient ones. We're the impatient ones. We say, God, we want answers now. We want, your, we want your wisdom now. Tell us the future now. We want you to come now. Yet when our patience ends, it's when God's patience just begins. Paul says that God's not slow in keeping promises like we understand promises and slowness. Slowness is relative. Speed is relative. 
A sloth is slow compared to a turtle, right? Now, a turtle's slow compared to a rabbit. Rabbits are slow compared to cheetahs. Cheetahs are slow compared to Ferraris. I mean, you can go on and on. It's just relative. And Paul, or Peter says, God is not slow in keeping his promises. You might understand slowness because he's on his timeline, not your timeline. And our sense of slowness is just completely different than his sense of slowness. And I'm so glad because if God was a quick-tempered, short-fused, instant reactor, then we would all not exist here right now. But praise God that he's long-suffering and that he wants all to have opportunities. You know, I love how patience is the word that describes the indescribable today because it paints a picture of God and how Peter puts it, it's a one-to-one kind of patience. It's not a group of humans and God. It's God and every single one of us where he says, not wanting anyone to perish. Uh, not, it's not the whole group. It's, it's individual. It's you and me because God doesn't just love people that love him back. He loves all of us no matter what. He loves terrorists. God loves rapists. God loves child molesters. He loves drug lords and gang leaders. God even loves racists. He loves everybody, and he patiently waits for each person, no matter who they are or what they've done, he waits for them, convicting them, putting people in their life, surrounding them, pushing them, gently nudging them as he hopes to woo them into a loving relationship with him. And he'll wait, oh, he'll wait for eternity for just that one. See, listen, listen to this. God is in no hurry to come back to take some with him to be with him for eternity. Did you hear me? I don't think you heard me. I'm going to say it again. God is in no hurry to come back and take some to be with him forever. It's not about the majority of people that would be saved. It's about the ones that would be lost. Jesus says to us in, in Matthew chapter 24, as he's talking about the end of days and the second coming, he says, but about the day or hour of the second coming, nobody knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. And when I read this passage, it makes me think of the throne room of heaven where God the Father sits on his throne and Jesus sits next to him and Jesus constantly looks at his Father and says, Daddy, can we go now? Can I go get him now? I want to go. Can we get him now? Is it time? Is it time now? And the Father says, Jesus, I want to get him too. But we've got one more and we've got one more and we want to wait for them. And everybody else waits for the one, but that's the one that God cares about the most. That's the kind of patience that describes the indescribable. That's the kind of patience that what God is really like. And as Adventists, we're always looking ahead to the second coming. I mean, it's in our name. We're Seventh-day Adventists. We're waiting for that day of the second Advent when he comes. It's in our name. It's where we fix our eyes and we wait, yes, impatiently, but we must rest assured of the patience of God who's waiting for just one more. You know, I'm reminded of the words of John the Revelator, as he says in Revelation, here's what it says on the screen here for you. John says, this time calls for the patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. We're called not only to keep our eyes to the skies waiting for Jesus, but we're called to be patient, enduring life, remaining faithful no matter what comes our way for the sake of one more. 
There was a movie not too long ago that many of you probably have seen. If you haven't, you could go see it. It's probably rated R because Mel Gibson was the one that produced it, but man, it's a tearjerker movie. It's the story of uh, Desmond Doss. Here's a picture of him. Maybe you've seen him before. And there, it's called Hacksaw Ridge. How many of you have met Desmond Doss? Yeah, probably 10 of us in here. I've met him, shook, shook his hand many times. Uh, what, a, what an incredible man. Uh, he, he used to go to every Pathfinder event there in Georgia Cumberland Conference and got to shake his hand and meet him. What an incredible man. This is his story. As, as a young guy, he gets drafted into the military and, and he goes, but he's a conscientious objector. He doesn't want to carry a gun because he doesn't want to kill anyone. And so he chooses not to carry and bear arms. And because of his choice, because of his stance, uh, he gets just beat up. Nobody likes him. His, his uh, fellow soldiers, they say, what are you going to do in battle when we're getting attacked? What are you going to do? You, got, you don't even have a gun. How are you going to defend us? They throw boots at him. They, the, his, all his commanders would be frustrated him. He turns into a medic. And during one battle, the 1st Battalion assaults this jagged escarpment 400 feet tall. And, and when they get to the top, they're greeted with uh, firefight with mortars, with heavy artillery, with machine guns. The 75 soldiers, they split up and they, they dive for cover behind rocks. Some are shot, some are wounded, some are hurting, some are scared, some are frozen there. And Desmond Doss, the unarmed medic, the one that has chosen to, to honor God in, in his whole life no matter what, he goes out into the firefight and one at a time, he gets these 75 men. He takes them to the edge of this escarpment, and he lowers them down one at a time through, uh, with this rope pulley sling system that he has all the way to the ground. And you know his prayer just as well as mine as he runs from man to man trying to get them to safety. His prayer was simply, please, Lord, help me get one more. And while the most patient being in the universe waits for just one more, I'm reminded of the words of Jesus that he says to you and me as we too wait for Jesus to come. In Revelation chapter 2, he says, Hold fast till I come. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, God, we are we're wowed at your patience. We're amazed at your love. We are um, excited to see you, but we understand that it's for the sake of just one more that you wait. And so, God, if you can be patiently waiting, we can wait too. God, we love you, and we can't wait to see you. In Jesus' name, amen.